Welcome to Faithful Echoes, the sermon podcast from St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Cleveland, Tennessee. New episodes are available every Monday featuring the Collect of the Day, Scripture readings, and Father Joel Huffstetler's insightful sermon from the previous Sunday. Perfect for catching up on missed sermons or revisiting favorites, find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and our website at www.stlukescleveland.org backslash podcast. Subscribe now for spiritual reflections that fit seamlessly into your week. A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you all for being here. The epistle lesson for the first Sunday of Advent is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. In the salutation, Paul writes, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was a cosmopolitan person in the very best sense of that term. We know that he was of Jewish origins and was highly educated for a person of his time. We also know that he was from Tarsus, which is a Gentile city in what is now modern-day Turkey. We also know that Paul was a Roman citizen. We don't know quite how that happened. Scholars speculate that perhaps Paul's father had been of service to the Roman Empire. But somehow, Paul had been granted Roman citizenship. So a Jew, without question, and yet from a Gentile city steeped in learning, scholars agree that by the first century A.D., Tarsus had eclipsed Athens as the great center of philosophy and theology. A Jew from a Gentile city and a Roman citizen. So history accords Paul the title Apostle to the Gentiles. And that is correct. Paul had a foot in both worlds, the Jewish world and the Gentile world. And so he begins his letter to the Corinthians, Grace to you and peace. Grace was the typical greeting in the Gentile world, the Greek is kairain, from charis, which means grace. If you know someone named Charis, and I've met several people in Cleveland named Charis, 
That word means grace. So grace, Paul says, the typical Greek Gentile greeting. And then he says peace, and in the Greek text, peace is irenein, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word shalom. And shalom was the standard Jewish greeting. And so Paul, writing to these Corinthians who live in this cosmopolitan crossroads of a city, no doubt the majority of the Corinthian church were Gentile in origin, though no doubt there were some Jews in the congregation as well. So in this cosmopolitan environment, Paul writes, grace to you and peace And he strikes a note of inclusion to the Gentiles and to the Jews. Grace to you and peace. I was thinking about this meditation this morning as I was listening to the news. The meditation was done before this morning. But in listening to the news this morning, what do we hear now? Conflict. Conflict, conflict, sometimes involving groups of faith. So these meditations aren't offered in a vacuum. They're meant to remind us of our purpose as people of faith. Paul wrote quite intentionally to the Corinthians, grace to you and peace. You're all included in this. Paul's message of the risen Christ was for all people. One of the great scholars of 1 Corinthians is a man named C.K. Barrett who writes of our passage, grace is the antecedent being and act of God which are the ground of all Christian existence. I know that can be a lot at first hearing. Grace is the antecedent being and act of God which are the ground of all Christian existence, which is a way of saying that Christian faith, in the end, is a message of grace. Grace, grace. It's what God is. It's what God does. Love humanity and offers grace at all times to all people. And the question ever before us is, what do we do with that? Can we hear that message of love and receive it and then share it to the very best of our abilities? Barrett goes on to say about peace. Peace is the outcome of God's redemptive act, the total state of well-being to which men are admitted. So this is not just a casual greeting when Paul writes, grace to you and peace. It's a message that's deeply spiritual in content. And so as we begin this brand new Advent season, never before experienced until now, some of the first words we heard on Sunday were grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord. Jesus Christ. 
One of my favorite authors is Frederick Beekner. Beekner just died a couple of years ago, lived a very long life and a very fruitful life. Fred Beekner is one of the most quotable writers of our time. There are just lots of pithy one-liners that you can remember by Fred Beekner. His most memorable line is this, all moments are key moments and life itself is grace. That's a great one-liner. All moments are key moments and life itself is grace. And so in this Advent season that is now with us in earnest, and for most of us, our activity level will pick up and our to-do list will grow as Advent proceeds. We'll hear the horns honking as we're out driving, won't we? But these meditations are meant to remind us that amidst all of that activity and busyness, it's important for us to remember to stop, to breathe, and to remember why. Why these lights? Why this beautiful blue? Why this extra service? It's to remember grace, grace, grace. And the fruit of grace is meant to be a meaningful peace. So Paul's greeting is not a mere formality. It's his wish for the people in Corinth, this very diverse group of people. If we read on in 1 Corinthians, we know it was a church not without issues. Paul knew that, but from the start, he says, grace to you and peace. When we look at the meaning of the Hebrew word shalom, one way to define shalom is well-being that can only come from God. And so the peace of God comes from God. Another definition of the Hebrew word shalom is ultimate untroubledness. That's one to remember and ponder. Ultimate untroubledness. Every one of us here knows the reality of struggle, of loss, and of grief. But the message of shalom is that ultimately we are in God's care. And ultimately all will be well. One of the great passages in all of the New Testament is John chapter 20. That's when John begins to tell us about that first Easter day. Jesus, the risen Christ, appears twice to the disciples in the upper room in chapter 20. The first time Thomas is not there, if you'll remember. The second time Thomas is there. But both times the risen Christ enters into that upper room. His first word is shalom. Peace be with you. The first words from the risen Christ to his confused and grieving disciples who at first have no idea what's happening. Jesus' first words are, Peace be with you. Shalom 
And so as Advent progresses, we're well to remember how it began in this room, in the context of liturgy. Some of the first words we heard this Advent were, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. One of our great scholars who is still with us is Carl Holliday. And Dr. Holliday has written of our passage, The invocation of grace and peace combines the standard forms of greeting commonly used by Gentiles and Jews, but here they have become thoroughly Christianized. They are in no sense an ordinary greeting. So filled with meaning. Grace to you and peace. Those words of Jesus through Paul are meant to stay with us through this Advent season. Jesus Christ is the bridge, Paul says, between Jews and Gentiles. Jesus Christ's entire mission, ultimately, is unity. Jesus came to offer us unity with God the Father. And that grace with God is then meant to be shared with each other. This was the message to the church in the first century in Corinth and other places. And it's the message to us today. Unity is our mission. Unity, of course, within the parish, within our fellow Christians in this community. To seek unity with all people. But ultimately, the global level, people of faith are meant to be people who seek, work for, meaningful unity. Paul believed in unity so much that he wrote in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. In the ancient world, there is nothing more radical that a person could have said than all of the distinctions that culture has arrived at are meaningless in Christ. All the hierarchies, all the barriers that divide us, Paul says, are meaningless in light of the love of the risen Christ. I was with C.K. Baird in class years ago at Emory when he said, and I'll never forget it, he said, to my knowledge, Dr. Baird said, no one in the ancient world had ever said something this inclusive. And it was Paul speaking on behalf of the risen Christ. 
So the lesson continues. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace, there's that word, the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched by him in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here Paul is looking forward, and this is what we do in Advent. Yes, we remember the Incarnation. Yes, we begin to prepare our hearts to celebrate another Christmas. But also in Advent, we look forward to the second coming. That's what Paul's talking about in verses 4 through 8. You've been given grace and peace, Paul says, through Jesus. Ultimately, then Paul says, history will reach its fulfillment in Jesus. So as Christians, we look backward in Advent to the Incarnation. We also look forward to history's ultimate fulfillment. Barrett says on this note, they, the Corinthians, live in remembrance of what he has done, he, Christ, and in expectation of what he will do. And so in Advent, we do remember, of course, the joy of Christmas. But we're also reminded during Advent that history is moving forward. And ultimately, the love of Christ will prevail. In Advent, we look backward in gratitude. And in Advent, we also look forward in hope. Tom Wright says on this note regarding our passage, those who await the final unveiling of God's majesty and love are to be sustained by meditating on its first mysterious appearing. Wonderful way to frame Advent. Those of us who look forward to the kingdom of God in its fullness are meant to be, are meant to be sustained along the way by the memory of the glory of Christmas. And so all of this is to remind us of the grace and love we have been given and the grace and love to which we can look forward when Christ comes again in his glory. And so my pastoral message to us all on this first Tuesday of Advent is grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.